Hello, and welcome to Tales of Statendor. I am your host and narrator, James David. This is the first episode of The Liberation of Boussant, a major storyline within the world of Statendor. So, subscribe and stay tuned for more episodes of Tales of Statendor. As he stood in front of the mirror, the young man inspected his long gambeson. Adjusting his belt, he wanted to appear respectable and decent. His gambeson was long enough just to touch his knees. Gazing into the mirror, he looked at his short black hair with his glimmering green eyes. Inspecting his attire, the young man ensured everything appeared fine and in its place. A knocking on the door disrupted his inspection. Come in, he called out. The door to his chambers opened. Peering around the door was a stocky middle-aged woman with a head of greying hair. She was aged, yet merry. This husky woman eased her way through the doorway. A wide smile emerged on her face as she laid eyes on the lad. Approaching the young man, she stopped and performed an informal curtsy. Good morning, Master Garrett, spoke the servant gleefully. The young man with a humorous look upon his face, performed a mock curtsy in return. Petra, you need not maintain such formalities with me, especially when we are not in the eyes of the court. On a day such as this, replied the servant, I wish to greet you with respect. On today of all days, how could I not be anything but respectful? Oh, Petra, I wish for nothing grand. Having you and the others around me is more than enough company. The middle-aged servant approached Garrett. She raised her hands, and in a doting fashion, adjusted the collar of his gambeson. "'Tis not every day a boy becomes a man, Master Garrett." Garrett smirked at the notion, before turning back to look at the mirror. He saw himself in the reflection, and he focused upon his chin. While he was still youthful and full of vitality, he lacked a certain feature. Running his hand across his cheeks, Garrett felt nothing but smooth skin. He let out a sigh of disappointment. Petra proceeded to place her hand under his chin and turned his head back towards her. Just cause you don't have beard hair yet don't make you any less of a man. Our David didn't start growing beard hair until he was 18. His father on the other hand, he had hair when he was 14. Not all men are alike, and you remember that Master Garrett. These soft and supportive words were enough to lift his spirits. He then forgot about all of his imperfections. He no longer cared if stubble was growing upon his chin or not. Petra began to ruffle his hair tenderly before retracting her hand. Her ladyship isn't fond of being kept waiting, Petra reminded him. Garrett ceased to fixate upon the fictional flaws in his attire and his person. Mustering his courage, he prepared himself. Thank you for visiting, Petra. And while I am gone, could you turn down my sheets, if possible? Petra simply looked at him with a motherly smile. You best be off now, Master Garrett. Her ladyship will not want to be kept waiting any longer than she has to. Garrett proceeded to straighten his posture before approaching the door leading in and out of his chambers. He pressed it open 
and walked through. Entering the adjoining corridor, Garrett proceeded on his way all the way to the end, where he made it to a stairwell. Descending the stairwell carefully, he ensured that he did not misplace his feet. The narrow passageways proved to be a struggle to traverse at times. He had lived within the Great Hall for most of his life, yet even as he grew older, these corridors simply seemed to grow smaller. Coming to the bottom of the stairwell, he proceeded down another small corridor, before approaching a pair of large wooden doors. He pressed open one of them and stepped through. On the other side of the door was a vast chamber. Servants were running from side to side, arranging tables, plates, banners. The Great Hall was being prepared for all of the festivities that were to come. Garrett remained perfectly still as he watched thirty or so servants rush about, preparing the hall. Some were upon their hands and knees, scrubbing every inch of the floor, ensuring it was perfectly clean. Others were hanging up grand tapestries and floral wreaths. Most were being placed close to the candle beams and the iron fittings on the ceiling above. Garrett looked to the far end of the hall. Stationed atop an elevated section of the stone floor was a very plain-looking throne. A great chair made from slate plates held together by iron clamps. Carved into the slate were runes of some kind. He wasn't entirely interested in the markings carved into the ancient chair. Garrett continued to simply watch as the army of servants went about their business in a haphazard manner. He found it somewhat entertaining. Without warning, Garrett felt a hand placed upon his shoulder. It gripped firmly. He turned and found he was met by an old friend. Standing beside him was a tall, athletic man of a muscular build. His hands were so large that the one he placed on Garrett's shoulder, his thumb rested upon the ball and socket joint of his shoulder, and his small finger was pressed against Garrett's neck. The grey coat he wore was a similar shade of iron or some sort of unpolished steel. Beneath his coat was a long tunic which had been tucked into his belt. Just under his coat, attached to the same belt, was a sword, just hidden from sight. The man himself had an angular chin, stern and strong. A scar stretched from the corner of his left eye down to the side of his ear. Garrett could see it, if not only faintly. Most of it was hidden beneath his hairline, but he could see where it met his ear. Captain Strub, Garrett said as he greeted the man in a joyful tone. The captain removed his hand from Garrett's shoulder before holding both of his hands behind his back. With his stern eyes, he looked around at the servants dashing about, preparing the hall for that evening. All of this, he said in a deep, stoic voice. All of this busyness, it is all for you, Garrett. For today is the day you are no longer a boy and you become a man. Garrett couldn't help but let a cheeky smirk appear across his face. Really? Well, I thought a boy became a man when he... Captain Strub began to laugh humorously. Oh, Garrett, that is most definitely not going to happen tonight. Her ladyship has spent a great deal of time preparing for the feast. She, of course, will expect you to be there, and she will expect you to be there on time, looking presentable. Until then, you are under my charge. I believe we shall not have any lessons today, but instead, I shall take you out riding. 
Garrett's eyes began to light up with excitement. However, the captain interjected, her ladyship has requested that I bring you to her directly. She has a gift that she wants to give to you personally. These words made him bulk. Garrett took a deep breath to calm his nerves. Where is Lady Serencela? he asked. She's just outside in the courtyard. She's asked me that when I meet you, I am to escort you to her directly. His fingers twitched, but he tried to hide it as best he could. Sliding his hands into the pockets of his gambeson, he replied, Well, Captain, I suggest you lead on. As Strub walked on, Garrett followed beside him. They passed the numerous servants as they went about cleaning and preparing the great hall. As the two approached a pair of large oak doors with iron fittings, the captain went first. He approached the doors, but did not attempt to open them. They were much too large for him. Instead, he opened a smaller door, connected to the door itself. Sunlight filled the darkness of the hall. She's just outside, the captain said. Garrett, nervous but calm, went free first. Stepping outside, it took a moment for his eyes to adjust. Gradually, he was able to see his surroundings. He found himself on a flight of steps leading to the doors of the Great Hall. At the bottom of the stairs was the wide and open courtyard. Encircling the area around the Great Hall and the courtyard was a vast palisade built from ancient oak trees and held in place by strong iron fittings. They were aged more than a few centuries or so, built in the days when the first Singyur sat the throne of Busant. Instinctively, Garrett set his eyes towards the distance. Not so far away, built into the Great Palisade, was a mighty gatehouse. Either side of the gatehouse were two buildings. One, smaller, but somewhat wider, the stables. The other, larger and taller, the guard barracks, where most of the men stationed at the hall would spend their time when they were not on duty or patrol. Within the confines of the courtyard, Garrett raised his eyes towards the glorious clear sky. The sun shined brightly down upon the world below. Within this moment of calm and tranquility, Garrett basked in the glory of the sun. Its warmth washed over him. On today of all days, for such glorious weather, he said, Preventer truly does smile upon me. The man beside him simply crossed his arms. I cannot speak on the four divines, the Valkyrian commented. All I can say is that I believe the hooded maiden favours you, but I know that you are not a believer of my faith. Garrett turned to the captain in a playful manner. Well, whoever favours me, the four divines, the hooded maiden, I will take all the favour from all the divines, because this is, of all days, a great day especially since it is my birthday. Both Garrett and Strub let out a chuckle of amusement. This joyous moment was cut short when a sombre voice broke through. 
Garrett. It was her. He recognised the tone. Within an instant, he turned around and almost stood to attention like a soldier. Approaching him was a middle-aged woman in a long black gown. Over her attire was a velvet bodice, tightly held in place. She looked upon Garrett and focused upon his face. As she did so, Garrett became incredibly nervous. He raised his hand only to brush away the strands of hair which dangled over his eye. Following behind Serencela was a cloaked figure only four feet in height with a large beard of golden and grey hair. Within his arms was an object wrapped within a strand of hessian cloth. As he followed behind Serencela, he walked with a limp from his left leg, but he managed to keep pace. Strub instinctively stood to attention, held his head back, shoulders straight, and let his arms fall down by his side. Lady Serencela, he said as he greeted the ruler of the island. She didn't respond right away. Instead, Serencela remained interested in the young man. Once she was close enough, she extended her hand and placed it on Garrett's cheek. He remained still, unwilling to move. He didn't even want to flinch or blink. Her very presence disarmed both men of their courage and fortitude. I am glad that I called for you, Serencela noted. Yet, you failed to arrive when I asked. Garrett's mind went blank. I, I went to the Great Hall. You weren't there. Captain Strub broke from formation and tried to get between the two. My lady, I was the one who was distracted. I was deriving for him a training lesson later in the day and I wanted to keep it a surprise. Serencela retracted her hand and turned away ever so slightly and shifted her attention towards the Valkyrian. Unchanged by his words, the sorcerer shifted her focus then back to the boy. Seemingly unaffected by the captain's words, she looked to Garrett with renewed interest. I am not here to punish you. It was more so that I was distracted, she stated. Garrett was able to muster his courage. I did go to the Great Hall, but I did not find you. And then Captain Strub said that he was sent to bring me to you. While that is true, Serencela continued, I asked the captain to go on my behalf. I was called away for a moment. I had to tend to a matter of great importance. Garrett's eyebrows plucked up. Was it a matter of the realm? Serencela shook her head. Something in regards to your name day, as a matter of fact. Oh, what is it if you don't mind me asking? Serencela, with her left hand, gestured towards the person beside her. A gift. If you wish, I could give it to you. It would only take a moment for you to unwrap it. Gracefully, the sorceress stepped to one side and allowed Garrett to approach the dwarf. As the young human approached, the dwarf raised the object closer to Garrett with its arms wide open. Captain Strub watched with a keen eye as he saw Garrett lift the bundle of cloth from the dwarf's hands. As Garrett was close enough, he inspected the cloth. The Hessian wasn't that impressive. As he was close enough, he glanced towards the dwarf. Within the hood, 
He could just see the dwarf's face. It was somewhat mangled and mutilated, but hidden under the shroud. He was about to flinch, but after years of discipline, he was able to restrain himself. With a curiosity, Garrett then began to unfold the bundle in his hand. As he removed the pieces of Hessian, he found underneath the handle of a sword. The handle itself had leather straps, and just at the pommel was a symbol of a star carved into the metal. Resisting the urge to go into a frenzy, Garrett Venn, in one swift move, pulled away the rest of the Hessian. In his hand, he found a sword kept within its sheath. It was quite a large sword, a hand and a half. A bastard sword. He placed one hand on the handle and the other hand on the scabbard. Unsheathing the weapon, Garrett looked upon the blade. It was double-edged and carved into the reflective surface were markings, runes of a long-forgotten empire. It gleamed with light. The blade merged with the hilt, which looked like a weaving of steel, iron, copper and silver. The young man could barely contain himself. This... this is a great weapon, he remarked. Captain Strub himself was somewhat envious, but he was intrigued by it as well. As he approached, he examined the blade. What sort of metal is this? It gleams like silver, but it looks sharper. Maybe steel or iron? Serencelar lifted her hand and gestured towards the blade. Without much warning, it flew from Garrett's grasp and hovered in the air. The blade itself is forged from a shooting star that fell from the heavens. During my many years as I travelled the world, I was able to acquire it. I saved it for a special moment like this. I had it forged into a great sword, with the help of my trusty companion. I named this sword Meteorum, and it is a gift to my ward, to you, Garrett. The sword continued to hover in the air, but gradually glided back towards the young man. Garrett reached out and took it by the handle. He then proceeded to examine the blade one more time before sheathing it. My thanks, Sir Encelar. This is indeed a fine weapon. Sir Encelar approached Garrett. She raised her hand and reached towards his shoulder. She hesitated for a brief moment but pushed her hand onto Garrett. Consider it a gift, a symbol of your status, for tonight everything will be explained. But for the rest of the day, I will relieve you of your lessons. You may do as you wish, but I do ask that you return to the hall as the sun sets. Much is to happen tonight, and when you return to the hall for the feast, Everything will be explained. Serencelar quickly retracted her hand. In this moment, Garrett went to attach the sword onto his belt. After a few moments, struggling with the clip, he was able to do so effortlessly. It was heavier than expected, but he was able to endure it. Lady Serencelar, Garrett spoke. I wish to go beyond the Great Hall. I wish to go riding 
with Captain Strupp, if that would be permitted. Sir Encelar, with her cold eyes, looked directly into Garrett's. Why, of course, she agreed reluctantly. But you must not stray too far. Garrett's face began to display a smug smile. Well, what if I wish to visit the nearby town of Leahy, or perhaps I could go to Blue Harbour? I would very much like to see the hustle and bustle of the port town. Not to mention, I would be very much interested in meeting people. I have never met a woman, and now that I am a man, before Garrett could even finish his sentence, Sir Encelar, with her hand, grabbed him by his chin. She closed his mouth and looked straight into his eyes. His confidence, his cockiness and boldness all evaporated as she looked upon him with her stern and ever-looming presence. He breathed through his nose. As he did, the air that escaped from his lungs was blasted through his nostrils and breezed against Sir Rensselaer's cold hand. He was panicking. He tried to move, but he was paralysed by fear. Sir Rensselaer had the strength of ten men, or at least that is how he felt. In his heart of hearts, he knew he was terrified to pull away from her. Sir Rensselaer, on the other hand, was emotionless. She stood there, with her eyes looking directly into his. She moved closer to his right ear and began to whisper. You may have turned 16 today, but that does not mean you are truly a man, and that does not mean that you can defy me. Do not test me, Master Garrett. She pulled away, and at the same moment, she removed her hand from his mouth. Garrett, still frozen in place, looked at her. He was speechless. Sir Encelar broke eye contact with the boy and looked towards the captain. Captain Strub, you may take Garrett riding, but you are not to be out for long. Do you understand? The Valkyrian didn't speak. Instead, he just nodded. Excellent. Most excellent. Sir Encelar pressed her hands together and walked away from the two of them. As she went, the disfigured dwarf followed behind her, hobbling along. Even under the open sky and the glorious sun, Garrett felt like a child still. Subscribe and stay tuned for more episodes of Tales of Statendor.